wind, peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, Thou hast taught me to say It is well, it is well With my soul It is well With my soul Father in heaven, we are very grateful that during these times you can be our anchor when all the waves are tossing, pushing us. We say that it is well on the inside, even though it may not be well on the outside. That we are prospering and being in good health, even as our soul prospers. Though we struggle through, we find our heart is at rest. We pray for those medical professionals who are working so hard over time. They're brave, intentionally putting themselves in harm's way to serve the needs of others. Strengthen them, encourage them, literally instill courage in them to get up and do what they need to do for people in need. First responders, we thank you for them as well. We appreciate the courage that they have to go and find those who are in desperate need. Help them and put themselves in harm's way. We pray for everyone who has contracted this disease that you would help them to recover quickly and we pray for those who have lost loved ones that you would comfort them in their time of need. We pray that you would help the church to become what we should be to meet the needs of a growing situation where there's almost more than we can even begin to touch. Help us to stretch, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. All right. Um, the last two weeks haven't been uh, great for, for anybody. The last four weeks, really. And I've been trying to figure out what God is doing. It's been a time of growth and transition for me. I haven't presented as well on Sunday as I should. But I don't know how I could have done any better because I knew God was trying to do something on the inside of me and I didn't know what. I knew I needed to find him during this time and it was difficult. And it still is. Trying to find what the best solutions are for my community while my soul is in pain, it's in anguish because I see what needs to be done and how the church needs to morph itself into this outreach community. Finding how to, to, to help the governmental officials to make great decisions on our behalf, praying for them, believing that they're going to be inspired with wisdom from heaven, not just wisdom from earth, but from heaven about how to address this situation best so that all of us can be better going through and coming out, praying for them. I've been burdened with that. I've been burdened, burdened with making sure that our church is protected. 
I've been burdened with my family, making sure they're protected, my, my, my nuclear family. I've been burdened with, with the world. I've been burdened with everything. Now, there may not be a lot of pastors who are burdened like I am, and I'm not quite sure I need to carry all this stuff, but it just happens to me, and my soul gets vexed. I don't know exactly what to do, how to say. I have ideas that come to me from God that I know are inspired by him, but they have this cap on them and I can't do anything about them. And so I just pray and ask him, Lord, do something when I can't because nobody's asking me. And I'm not mad about it. I'm irrelevant to the, to the solution as far as they're concerned. I'm not mad at all. I just know that there are things that need to change for the benefit of mankind that God wants to bring by way of solution to help now, not just later and all that stuff is running around in my soul like a stew and it's hard for me to parse it out when I get here on Sunday morning and so for the last two weeks I want to say I'm sorry I haven't been as as good of a presenter as I should have been hopefully today it'll be better because I'm finding some some sediment some degree of of settling in my soul and I think God's going to do some amazing things here in the days to come with you and with us. With respect to that, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. The title of the message today is Stretching. Stretching. Matthew 13, verses 31 through 32. Jesus here is the, is the speaker and he's talking to the disciples it says he presented another parable to them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field verse 32 and this is smaller than all the other seeds but when it is full grown it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches Lord help as we study your word I want to talk to you today about two things. One, kingdom nature and kingdom dimensions. Kingdom nature and kingdom dimensions. Jesus is doing what he can to try to help the disciples understand that there is a kingdom that has come. John the Baptist introduced it to the entire community of Israel. But Jesus is the one that brought it. John the Baptist said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is the one who was the king that actually brought it. When John said it's at hand, Jesus said, I'm it. And he began to distribute it to others. Now, the kingdom was not what others thought it would be. Others thought this Messiah, meaning Jesus, or the coming Messiah, meaning the, the, the idea of who he was to be from the time of, of, of Nathan prophesying to David about the one who was to come, uh, that David wanted to build a house, and God said, I'm not going to let you build the house of God but your son will, but because you cared for my house, I'm going to care for yours, and there's coming somebody from you whose reign on your throne will not end. Everybody from that time was looking for this Messiah, this one who would come and set up a kingdom that would have no end. Isaiah prophesied about it. His kingdom would come, have no end, and there would be no cessation to the expansion of that kingdom. So it would go on forever, and it would go until it encompassed the entire earth. An amazing thing. But because man had begun to think about kingdom only in human terms, they didn't think about it in, 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 in heavenly terms, in Godward terms. But Jesus was simply trying to bring his rule, his sovereignty to man in a way that man could understand, yet not using the wineskin that man had created for what kingdom ought to look like. Jesus was simply using the term, 
but not the administration. Very important that you understand this. And remember, there was no concept of God being king until the Israelites had a king. God was God. That was title enough. <laughs> he didn't need another one. He ruled the universe. He did not need man to define what it looked like for him to do so. But then man had king, Israel had a king, and now, now God said, okay, I'm going to try to figure out how in the world to insert my leadership in your understanding of what it looks like. And so now everybody began to define whoever would come, this Messiah, as being kingly in the order of all the kings that had come before. And set up a kingdom on the earth that would allow people to live in such a way where peace and prosperity were never interrupted. That they would, they would have rulership over all the earth. But that's not the kind of kingdom that Jesus was setting, at least not like they thought. And so kingdom that Jesus brought was one that would restrain the soul. It was that which was in the beginning, meaning Abraham was never called king, yet he was a leader. Moses was never called king, but he was a leader. The kingdom of God was intended to be that which was stewarded on the inside, not legislated on the outside near as much. Now, you have to have some degree of order in order to keep people together and to serve people well. I get that. But not like the kings had established their own kingdoms on the earth. Nothing like that is supposed to start here. And so Jesus is trying to help the disciples to right-size their expectations about what kingdom should look like. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. <laughs> Blown away, were they? They were expecting the, the kingdom of heaven is like a sword. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a, king, a king with his chariots, catapults with rocks flailing, and pounding on city walls. The kingdom of heaven is like a throne upon which, upon which a king sits and can never be removed. Now Jesus said the kingdom of heaven like a seed. A seed. And he chose, he chose a mustard seed. And he says this seed has all the elements that you need to understand about the kingdom. Now it doesn't have all the elements of the kingdom. But it has all the elements of what you need to understand right now about what the kingdom should be. That when I talk to you, there are seeds being sown in your soil, the soil of your, your heart, that need to do something. And this is, this is what Jesus was trying to convey. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took. When you hear things about the kingdom, it's important that you take them. It's important that you receive them. Don't just let them lie there. What I'm telling you this morning, if it's by the Spirit of God, if it's according to the Word, you need to grab it. You need to take it and hold on to it and put it in the vault of your soul. Lock it up. Make sure that the enemy can't come and steal it. You remember this, the parable where Jesus gave? The sower went out to sow the Word, and some fell on the path, and the birds of the air came down immediately and ate it up. Don't let the birds eat this up today. This seed needs to be planted deep in your heart because that's the best place for seeds to replicate. Now, you can do a couple of things with seeds. You can either plant them or you can eat them. We eat nuts, seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. I like nuts. I eat a lot of nuts. 
and they're nutritious and they help. And we need to, we need to ingest to live, no question about it. But then there are some people that are taking the seed that is not intended to be eaten but intended to be planted and they instead are using their seed which, to, which is to be sown for food. And Paul talks about that God provides. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, God provides both things, seed for sowing and bread for food. You never have to take the seed that he's given you for sowing to replace, to, 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 to be in addition to the bread for food. He will provide for both. But here Jesus is talking about one element of the seed, that it needs to be sown. And you need to grab onto it and let it do its work once you plant it in the soil of your heart. Get it down there. Something happens to a seed when you bury it. It begins to germinate in the right environment. And it, it turns into something that it was not, but it was always intended to be. And that little seed. So this is the kingdom nature. This is kingdom nature. The seed becomes a tree. But Jesus said, though it is the smallest tree in the garden, so we're talking about now kingdom dimensions, not just kingdom nature, though it is the smallest seed in the garden, and when he says smallest seed, he's not talking about the smallest seed ever. He's just talking about, generally speaking, it is extremely small, and nobody would look at it, who looks at it would think it would be what it becomes. Though it is the smallest seed, it becomes the biggest tree. Now, there should be something on the screen that lets you understand a little bit about what the size of the seed is and then what it becomes. That picture of the mustard uh, tree, it, 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 there, there are a lot of different varieties, but all of them have this one quality. They look like bushes. They don't look like oak trees or maple trees that we have here, deciduous trees uh, that have large branches and you can see through them and you can see birds when they land and you can see nests of, of squirrels. They're not like that. They look like very large bushes. They can grow to about 20 feet and they're all different kinds. Some of them are small bushes, but, but they can grow to 20 feet and be as wide as they are tall. And when you look at the mustard tree, you sit there and you say, I can't see through it. Can't see through it. It is that kind of coverage. And he said it grows into the largest tree to where now the birds of the air want to come and nest in his branches. Why would the birds of the air want to nest in the mustard tree? Because not only do they find branches that can support them, but they find cover from the other predators out there that will want to try to get them. When you look at the mustard tree, you can't tell that there might be 40 birds in there nesting. Now it says the birds of the air I was out on my deck the other day, and I was doing a devotional, and I was watching the birds of the air, and they were, they were flying around, and mo mo they, they, nested on, they uh, landed on branches, and they began to sing, and uh, they did what they do in the morning, and I, and I watched them go back and forth. Now, I'm not trying to be real deep, and I don't want to insult your intelligence, but do you know why birds fly? Do you know? The only reason they fly is to get someplace. That's it. They don't have an aviary program where they've got a trainer. They say, we need to go on flying exercise today. And we need to, to really work out. <clears throat> we actually go out and walk just to walk. But because we're people that are fairly sedentary, we do that. In Christ's time, in the Bible said, they, they were no gyms. 
There were no trainers. Unless you wanted to be trained for war or trained for athletics. There were no trainers. There was no, you couldn't make a living that way. People would look at you and say, well, you know, if you're walking, where are you going? No place. Well, why are you out here? Well, I'm exercising. We get enough exercise doing what we normally do. Why would you go out and get more? There wasn't even a concept of that. Birds do not fly for joy. They fly to get someplace. And they're flying to get to usually a place that allows them to do whatever they need to do to find sustenance or safety. That's it. To mark their territory so that nobody can come in and take it. And to find food for their own well-being and to make sure that their young are cared for. May I say that there are a lot of birds flying around today and can't find a branch. They can't find a branch. And see, this is what the kingdom is to be. It starts out small, but it's a seed. And it's to grow into a tree that, that has branches that stretch. And when the branches stretch, they allow for other things to live in them. That's what we're doing with Grace Loves. That's what we're doing in trying to reach our community is figuring out how the kingdom of God through us can stretch. Now, the church is not the fullness of the kingdom. The kingdom is much bigger than the church. But the church is the best expression of the kingdom on the planet because in it we are supposed to be the people that espouse the principles strongest and that without resistance and try to live them on a regular basis to such a degree that when people actually walk through the doors of the church they are entering into an embassy of heaven that there is something about us that feels a whole lot like that that's the way the church is intended to be we aren't the fullness of the kingdom because there's so much more than just the church but we are a place where people can learn about the kingdom and its fullness best not only through word by somebody like me talking but by living it with other people and realizing that the kingdom principles that are unabated in glory need to be manifest here on the planet that like Jesus said in the Lord's prayer our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be people that are conduits of his perfect will here. That's our job. And so the church is supposed to be the institution that represents that best. And the kingdom is not supposed to be just about making sure that we represent it within our four walls. We are supposed to stretch and allow the birds of the air to rest and there are so many birds flying around and can't find a branch so many medical professionals that are tired they're tired they're scared and they're looking for refuge they can't find a branch because the church hasn't reached them they don't even know we're here. We've become so irrelevant to the community that we are an afterthought. Maybe at the last resort I can call the church. That's our fault, not theirs. Our branches need to stretch in times of peace so they know that in times of difficulty they got some place to sit out. If, if we do that, your branches ought to feel really heavy. 
They ought to feel like they're going to break. That's what they ought to feel like. Bending down to the ground broken because there are so many people needing help. And if you're feeling that way, good on you. Happy for you. Because you're doing the will of God in a moment when it desperately needs to be done. I told my staff I was preaching 20 minutes and I'm done. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I'm asking for your grace, please, to help us as a church be the church. I love you. Help us to meet the needs of people out there that desperately, desperately need you. Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be, and you want to make a change today. If you fit in either of those categories, raise your hand high. I want to pray for you. Yeah, what am I saying? Raise your hand high. I can't see it. (laughs) Okay, just wave at the camera. Do something. All right, good. If that's you, pray with me. Father in heaven, forgive me for my sin. I am so sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you prayed that prayer, um, somebody's going to come up later and tell you where to click a box and check you know, put a check there in the chat area and somebody will contact you. Thank you. All we want to do is help you fulfill the commitment you made today. That's it. That's all. Well, uh, before we go, we're going to receive a benevolence offering. And what can I say? All the things that Pastor Corey talked about cost money. We as a church have done what we can to cut back on our expenses because we realize this is a tight time for everybody and it's probably going to be tight for a really long time, longer than any of us are comfortable being in. So we are adjusting. We have yet to release any staff and it's not our plan to do so. We're doing all we can to make sure we can provide for those who have decided to be employed with us and those who are in our midst that are suffering and going through difficulty. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your contract was canceled by the government. I don't know. And we're trying to provide for the community. So we're slashing all the things that are non-essential in order to preserve the resources necessary to reach our community. Still, there's not enough. There's not enough. So... We're trying to figure out how in the world can we get more and not just get more, but serve more. So I beg you, I know it's tight for you. I know it's tight for me. But one, during times like this, um, your pastor gets real aggressive. I don't, I don't get very pastoral. I try. 
I really become forward thinking. And so I'm, I'm giving more money away than I usually do. My wife and I have decided to, to give this and give that and serve our, our neighborhood with stuff. I become more aggressive because I realize even though it's pressing in on me, I know it's pressing in on others in a different way. They feel it differently. My God provides for me. It's my responsibility to make sure that the resources he has given me are used for kingdom progress, not mine. I'm not neglecting my family. But in the same way that we are cutting back in the church, my wife and I are trying to figure out what can we do to reduce our need so that we can meet the needs of others. This is the time for the church to be aggressive, not to be restrictive. I thank you for considering this benevolence offering and that every dime is going out there. Lord, bless anybody who gives. We love you. We thank you for the privilege of being inconvenienced with this need. You're an amazing God to us. Bless everybody who listens to the sermon and help me to be better and better every day. In Christ's name, love you.